Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. And that doesn't always seem like how, that's how that's supposed to go. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, that's not how it, I mean, we think in our brains, like when God calls us, it's like, man, God's calling me and I'm going to go move to another country and I'm going to be a missionary and all that stuff. And it's like, sometimes God has called you to be exactly where you're at, working where you're working, living in the family that he has placed you in for what? To be like a Joseph, because maybe he wants to use you in your life to save some individuals. It's an incredible thing. It's important to know where God wants you in life and not to blow up what you perceive as His will into something that He never intended for you. Today, Pastor James encourages you to be consistently in God's Word and to regularly seek out one-on-one time with Jesus through prayer. He teaches you that this is critical because it places Christ and His words into your head. Then, when it's His voice that you hear, you can confidently move forward into His plan for you, even if it's just to stay where you are. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 45 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So we kind of went into 45 last week as far as, uh, you know, Joseph has been dealing with his brothers. He's had them in his house. They were eating lunch, and then he packed up their bags and sent them on their way back home, and then he busted them for stealing his diviner's cup. He planted it there, and he put it in Benjamin's bag that was full of grain. And so they had to be brought back to Joseph's house. And it was in that moment where we really got to see Judah blossom, Judah is the one. Now, we know Jesus comes from Judah's line, uh, you know, and, and Jesus is the line from the tribe of Judah. Uh, but we got to see Judah finally step up, finally step up. And, and he tells Joseph, he's, he's there face to face with Joseph, and he's like, listen, if you keep Benjamin here, this is going to kill my dad. This is going to bring my, my dad to his grave. And Judah, for the first time in his life, he put somebody else before himself. And he stepped in and he said, listen, um, listen, um, it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> no, like it always happens. Um, so he stepped up and he said, I'll take my brother's place. I'll take my brother's place. And for Joseph, he got to finally see like, there's been a change that's happened. Maybe not in all my brothers, but for the one who it was kind of his idea for Joseph to be sold into slavery, He's seen him step up. And, and it was in that moment, hearing, hearing Judah and his plea to Joseph, that's when Joseph finally said, okay, okay, enough. The charade's over. It's me. And, and that's where we left off yesterday. And, and even with some of that scripture that we read before we started with, uh, with the worship, that was all part of it. Joseph, I mean, if you look back in verse 5, he says, listen, don't be upset. Because can you imagine what these guys were thinking as they're standing there? And there's this guy who's claiming to be their brother. He kind of looks like an Egyptian. After 20-something years, he's going to look like an Egyptian. But he's speaking Hebrew, and yet he does kind of look like our brother. But it's not for them. It's, it's not going to be an automatic thing of like, oh, this is so amazing. This is awesome. They're going to have that like, uh-oh, kind of moment. Like, oh, man, we're the reason he's here. 
And Joseph gets to tell them, yeah, what you intended for harm, God has used for good. I know it was your plan and you did it, but God would even use your wickedness to save a nation. That's incredible. That's like incredible. And I don't, I'm not even going to try to pretend to communicate to you guys that I understand how that works because I don't. I don't understand how God, God can use the most, the bleakest situations for his own good. It's an Amber Alert. That's what it was. I'm, I should have told you that. Your phones might be going off pretty soon, too. So heads up. We'll edit all this stuff out. So um, it's an Amber Alert, I think. So, um, but God can use these things for his glory, for his glory. And it's incredible. Now, should we be like, you know, just kind of blasé about life and be like, well, I can just do whatever I want because God can work out good in all the situations? It kind of sounds like the argument Paul was addressing in Romans, where it's like, well, shouldn't we just continue to sin? Because when we sin more, there's more forgiveness, there's more grace. And Paul's like, no, 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 that's not what we do. That's not what we do. But you need to understand, sometimes in our, in our darkest of situations and circumstances, man, God can shine brightly through those things and he can use them. And we come out through the other side like Joseph being like, man, you guys don't understand. This was all done. This is all orchestrated by God so that he could save an entire nation. So we, we, we'll pick up there in verse 5. Again, that was our scripture reading. But he says, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. I'm, I'm reading out the New Living Translation today. Uh, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine, the famine that they were into, that, that God had revealed to these guys and, and to Pharaoh, he gave them this dream. They're two years into this seven-year-long famine. They've already experienced the seven years of plenty. Now they're like two years into the famine. And two years into the famine, this just shows how severe it was. Nobody has any food. Nobody has any food. That's how bad it was. You're just two years into this thing. He says, the famine has ravaged the land for two years and will last for five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me here, has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who has made me an advisor to Pharaoh and a manager to his entire palace and the governor to all of Egypt. So essentially what, what Joseph is telling his brother is, God has called me to come to Egypt and to save you and to save your families. And not just them, but, but the multitudes of people. Joseph was called by God to put into slavery and to be imprisoned falsely and then to be promoted in Pharaoh's house. That was God's calling for Joseph. You're like, man, that doesn't always seem like how, that's how that's supposed to go. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, that's not how it, I mean, we think in our brains, like when God calls us, it's like, man, God's calling me and I'm going to go move to another country and I'm going to be a missionary and all that stuff. And it's like, sometimes God has called you to be exactly where you're at, working where you're working, living in the family that he has placed you in for what? To be like a Joseph. Because maybe he wants to use you in your life to save some individuals. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. We should all, we should all be, able, be able to take a step back and, and just really kind of try to get a bird's eye view of, of where we're at within our lives and say like, okay, Lord, what are you doing right now within my life? Because I'm here right now and 
It doesn't feel like you're using me. I'm sure Joseph had many, many moments, especially being in a prison cell where he didn't do anything wrong. He spent years in that prison cell where he may have been asking God, like, okay, um, this is how it's supposed to go? Because this doesn't seem right to me. I mean, every, like, you know, all the guys I'm watching on TV and stuff, they tell me it's not so, like, I'm doing something wrong if I'm here, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not, no. And God's like, no, you're in this prison for a reason. Yeah, you're innocent, but I'm working on you. No, you're working in Pharaoh's household. You're like second in command of all of Egypt for a reason. Yeah, your brother sold you as a slave to those traitors who were passing by for a reason. For a reason. Nothing happens in this world apart from God knowing about it and him being involved in it to a certain extent. It just takes us being able to take a step back and saying like, okay, Lord, I don't understand this, but help me to see it the way that you do. Help me to see it the way that you do. So he makes this plea to his brothers, verse 9. He, he tells them, hurry, now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you, will, where you can be near, near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there is still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. Listen, there's no hope for you. You get to where I'm at, and I will take care of you. When you read through Joseph's life, if you don't see like kind of somewhat of an image of Jesus to a certain extent, uh, you're kind of missing it. But we'll see this really specifically here at this last portion of the scripture. But he's telling them, he's like, listen, you want to be saved? You got to come to me. <laughs> you got to come to me because you're not going to make it out there. You're not going to make it out there. It's bad now. It's going to get worse. If you want salvation, you got to come to me. It kind of sounds a lot like what Jesus was saying in the Gospels. Oh, you want to be saved? There's one door. There's one door. There's only one road that leads to heaven. I, I'm sorry, but there is only one road, and it is narrow, and it goes right through Jesus. He says, you want to be saved? You got to come to me. You got to come to me. But he's, he's telling his brothers, listen, go get dad. Go get all your stuff. I already got this plan. It's Goshen. It's perfect. It is absolutely perfect for you guys. Uh, and in Joseph, he's even promising this ahead of Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh, we're going to see in a second, is going to be like, yeah, tell your family to come. They can live in Goshen. Joseph's like, I already got it. I already got it. Yeah, I got it. No worries. <laughs> no worries, Pharaoh. Just, I, I, I got you. Don't worry. Joseph, uh, verse 12 says, he added, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I am really Joseph. So he's having this moment where he's talking to his brothers, and you can kind of tell by the text, he's like, no, guys, really, it's me. It's me, because they're maybe looking at each other like, is this really him? Is this happening? Is this really Joseph? Is this really our brother? And he's like, look at my eyes, is really what he's saying right there. And, and we know that, like, eye contact is a big thing, is a really big thing, um, some of us like to make it. Some of us don't like to make eye contact, right? And, and only for so long, because then you have eye contact, and you're like, this is getting awkward, uncomfortable, break away, break away. Um, well, when you're dealing with somebody who have high authority, sometimes they don't want you to make any eye contact at all. Some of these guys, customarily, especially back in the day, don't look them in the eyes, because they can maybe interpret that as a threat. Joseph is throwing all that stuff aside. He says, look at me in the eyes. Look at my eyes. You can see that I'm your brother. 
you can see, look, me and Benjamin, we look exactly the same. We share the same mom, same dad. We're the same. Look, he's like, it's me. I'm pro- I promise you, it's me. And he's speaking to them in Hebrew as well. But he says, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin. I am really Joseph. Go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen and bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Verse 15, then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. This is an incredible thing, and we will miss this if we're just casually reading through this. But what has happened is Joseph has proclaimed to his brothers forgiveness. Forgiveness. He has every right to hold them accountable for what they did to him. Every right to do it. And he could have done it. He could have done anything that he wanted to to these guys, absolutely anything he wanted. If he wanted them to be imprisoned, he could have done it, and nobody could have said anything to him. But he shows up like Jesus and says, listen, you don't understand what you did. You don't get it. And even Jesus, as he's dying on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Or they know not what they've done. Joseph is telling his brothers, like, listen, guys, man, I know you did all this and you meant harm and all that stuff, but God has usurped your intentions. And he has allowed this to happen so that you would be saved, so that you could be saved. And he's, he's, he's proclaiming forgiveness over his brothers. And it's then that they finally realize and they embrace him and they can talk freely with him. This is going to happen in our world when Jesus comes back. Because you're going to have a lot of Jewish people who are going to be like, I can't believe you came and we missed it. I can't believe you came and we wanted you dead. You're our brother. You came for us and we totally missed it. There's going to be this glorious moment that's going to happen. And we kind of studied through that when we went through the book of Revelation. But you'll have kind of what's being pictured here. This will happen in, in, in our world once again when Jesus does come back. And we pray that Jesus comes back soon, right? We're like, yes, whatever, Jesus, whatever you got to do, make it happen. Just say, you know, what, but let us get the gospel out there um, to the uttermost parts of the world for sure. But that will be a sweet moment in history when Jesus can stand just like Joseph in front of his brothers, so to speak, and say, hey, guys, it's me. It's me. And the revival that will break out. You read Revelation. You know the stories where you're going to have all the, I mean, it's going to be insane. And it's going to be the coolest thing in the world. And I, we stand on the point where we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, because those will be the best seats. Um, as you watch all the stuff happen in the end times, it'll be like, well, this is so cool. This is amazing. I don't know how it all works, but um, it's going to be the sweetest thing in the world. It's going to be awesome, okay? But we get this little picture here with Joseph and his brothers. But he proclaims forgiveness over these guys. He's kissing them. He's embracing these guys. And they are finally opening up to him. And, and now they feel like they can talk to him. They're like, okay, we don't think he's going to kill us. Um, we, it, it is Joseph. It is our brother. And they freely talked with him. Now we're going to get Pharaoh kind of comes into the picture here as he understands and, and word gets back to him that Joseph's brothers are there. Uh, it says, the news reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were delighted to hear this. 
And Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all your families and return here to me. And I will give you the very best land in Egypt. And you will eat from the best that the land produces. This is Pharaoh, the ruler of the world at, the point, at this point in time. He's like, oh, man, I got this great idea. I got this great idea. Hey, go get your family. Bring them back here. You guys can live here. We'll give you the best land. This is Pharaoh. And it's just kind of like, we don't know if Joseph had talked to him. It maybe kind of planted these seeds or not. We have no idea. What we're going off of is that the, probably the Lord maybe had kind of gave Pharaoh a little elbow of like, hey, um, you're going to take care of these guys. You're going to take care of these guys. So Pharaoh's like, sweet, Joseph's brothers are here. Bring all your family down. We'll give you Goshen. You can, you can live here. We'll take care of you. It'll be awesome. This is really kind of a cool thing. What's really cool about this, Joseph probably never mentioned to Pharaoh what his brothers did to him. Never mentioned to Pharaoh what his brothers, because Pharaoh's response, hearing about his brothers showing up, would have been totally different. This is my guy. Joseph's my guy. And you're the bums who sold him into slavery. Listen, I'm glad you did, because I got him, right? But you're horrible people. You're horrible people. And you're going to be punished for that. From what we know from the word, he, he never said any of that to Pharaoh. That's somebody who's walking in forgiveness, That is somebody who has learned to let something go and not let that root of bitterness consume him and then have an effect on those who he encounters. Because that's what it does to us, guys. When we hold on to unforgiveness, those roots of bitterness, they go down deep inside of us, and then they will overflow into other people, and it will affect how other people look at that person you're mad at. It's just how it works. Joseph let it all go. He was a man who was walking in freedom and in forgiveness. And that Pharaoh had no idea what his family did to him, has no clue. Maybe Pharaoh's wondering, like, Joseph, how'd you even get here? How did, how, apparently, maybe he just never asked the questions. Maybe Potiphar never asked him the question. We don't know. Potiphar just bought him as a slave. But we know Pharaoh's like, oh, sweet, your family's here? Awesome. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send the the U-Haul trucks with your brothers, and go get all your junk, go get all your stuff, and bring it back here, right? Because we're going to take care of you guys, because Joseph has saved our lives, because your brother has saved our lives. Your brother has saved, as far as Pharaoh was concerned, your brother has saved my kingdom, has saved my kingdom. Pharaoh, verse 19, says to Joseph, tell your brothers, take wagons from the land of Egypt, to carry your, your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings for the best of all, all of the land of Egypt is yours. I mean, they're like going all out for these guys. The chariots, the wagons, I mean, take whatever you want to go get your family. And I, we, you don't need to walk from there to here. You're going to ride in style. You're going to ride in style. This is just so like, for me, it's just all these dings are going off in my brain of like, how this works with Jesus. I mean, this, he's, even him, he's going to take care of, like, go to, go to Jesus and trust in the Lord. And man, from getting from here to there, the Lord's going to take care of you. The Lord's going to take care of you. You don't have anything to worry about. But I still worry. I know. So do I. Why do we do that? I don't know. I don't know. But he's already sent the wagons. 
He's like, listen, man, I, I'm, I got, I'm, I'm building you a place. John chapter 14, I'm preparing you a place. I got stuff that's being stored up in heaven for you. You don't even know about. You don't even know about. I got you. From here to there, I got you. I got you through this journey. I'm going to take care of you. Pharaoh was like, he doesn't even know what's going on. But he's like, listen, I'll take care of you guys from getting you from there to here, from that point where you're basically going to die up there. And down here means salvation. I'll take care of the whole journey. I'll take care of the whole journey. It's like, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's amazing. That the Lord would do that. The Lord is, and the Lord's in control of this, and he's the one who's doing that. And what he did for Jacob and his family in preserving the nation of Israel, he's made it so personal to each and every one of us, where he's like, listen, I got your back. I got you on this journey. Why are you so worried? I don't know. I don't know. It's just what I do. I don't know. It's, can you help me with that, Lord? Yeah, I can help you with that. So... Verse 21, so the sons of Jacob did as they were told. That's an encouragement as well. For the first time, maybe, in their lives, the sons of Jacob are like obedient. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, that's probably a miracle in and of itself. Um, They did as they were told. Joseph provided them with wagons as Pharaoh had commanded and gave them supplies for the journey. He gave each of them new clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave five changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. He also sent to his father 10 male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other supplies he would need on his journey. So Joseph sent his brothers off, and as they left, he called after them, don't quarrel about all of this along the way. Hey, no fighting. He knows his brothers. He knows his brothers. Hey, guys, no fighting. No, no, knock it off. No fighting. What's amazing is he gives Benjamin way more than he gives his other brothers, And you really don't see his brothers respond to that at all. And I was reading through John Corson's commentary on this. Uh, It could have been yesterday. I have no idea anymore. Um, And it may have been the day before that. I don't know. Uh, It's been a long weekend. But uh, I was reading through that, and he's like, like, isn't that the, the sweetest thing about heaven? When we get there, new heaven, new earth, this competition thing is done. This competition thing. You're like, what competition? There's competition within the church. There's competition between churches, okay, for sure. We know that. We, we, we know that. We know that. The other church is booming. It's growing and all that stuff. Well, why isn't it happening here, Lord, and all that stuff? Who cares? The church belongs to the Lord. He can do whatever he wants. It's his business, right? That goes even down to the individual. This person's getting blessed like crazy over here. And you're like, ah, oh, come on. Them? Really? Lord? Why? He just got three extra suits or five extra suits and 300 more than what I got. It's not your business. It's not your business. So what if the Lord is blessing so-and-so over there? So what? What's your response? To be to praise God. To be to praise God. Here we, we, Joseph, he hooks Benjamin up with a lot of extra stuff. And we don't have any recorded words from his brothers being like, are you kidding me? They don't say anything. They don't say anything. And it was just fascinating that, that John just kind of pointed out the fact. He's like, you know, in heaven, man, we, we're going to celebrate. And you're going to have a pile of stuff. I'll have a little pile of stuff, I'm sure. I don't know what it'll be. But I'm not going to be concerned about your stuff. And is it, oh, man, they, it's, they get like a mountain. They got a mountain over there of stuff. And that treasure stored up in it. That's not going to exist. What are we going to do? We're going to worship Jesus. 
We're going to worship Jesus. The historical stories we've been reading about in the book of Genesis are filled with lessons that we just can't ignore. Adam and Eve chose to disobey, and the consequences meant separation from God for all of mankind. Sin entered the world and grew so great that God had to step in. Noah and his family were spared because of their devotion to the Creator, and Abraham's nephew was saved for similar reasons. God does look after those who call Him Lord and who follow Him with all that they are. God's compassion goes even beyond this. He sent His only Son to earth to die in our place, removing the punishment for all of our evil deeds. Jesus' life provided a way for us to reconnect with our Creator and begin to live a new life covered in grace. All we need to do is realize just how sinful we are and how we're unable to do enough to warrant the acceptance of our perfect Creator. We then need to accept that Jesus, who is God's Son, lived a perfect life and then took our sins to the grave. He defeated death three days later. Because of this, He's offering us grace and forgiveness for all of our sins. All we need to do is say yes. We pray that you choose to say yes today. We'd like to encourage you right away to get involved in a local church. And if you're in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you join us. Calvary Galveston meets Sundays at 10 a.m. And you can find directions online at breadforthebroken.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. Join us again on Bread for the Broken, where you'll find hope and new life in Jesus. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love and give